about the craze Sweeping Chennai to LA Cobra 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 Do you want to do this dance? I can put you in a trance Cobra 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 Hi everyone Welcome to Waste Fellows um, A very happy Valentine's Day So this episode we have a Valentine's Day special that's all about men know not how to get one but it's going to be a deeper more philosophical exploration on the state of modern masculinity um and i would even venture to say this is kind of the first and new series called the waste fellows dialectic um and i have the perfect guest for an episode with this kind of ambition um welcome rebecca solnit um a feminist writer who inspired the term mansplaining um who's written books like men explain things to me so hi rebecca welcome to waste fellows always happy to be here so like what do men explain to you i think uh, personally in my life the only thing men have ever, ever explained to me is the benefits of weed <laughs> i've had and men explain how to yeah. roll a joint yes so many of them i have like all i've acquired all different kinds of techniques um and are you um like do you have a fun valentine's day memory that you could share with the with the listeners of waste fellows absolutely not because i've never celebrated valentine's day oh wow yes. um why since like from puberty onwards all the way well, first most of the times i don't remember it unless someone tells me today is valentine's day because you know i forget birthdays i forget my birthday sometimes so dates are not something i'm very good at and i just always found it a bit on the cheesier side because i think very long back i remember uh trying to find out more about what valentine's day actually is and i discovered that it used to be a religious feast and after that it sort of lost its relevance for me because then it just became a very cheesy holiday i i don't care about any of the commercialized aspect of it or you know the corporates have taken over our religious holidays or any of that shit but it's just generally the fact that it's a very meaningless holiday But then you know if it makes other people happy that's all fine as well. But I found it just a bit on the childish side. Yeah, I mean I think Valentine's Day triggers a lot of complicated feelings in people. Um just because it I think it's just for a lot of people it's a it's an annual reminder of singlehood. But it's very self-inflicted. Exactly. But it's kind of like a, an annual reminder of one's like It's like imagine like having one day that reminds you of like the state of your love life. It's um, kind of it's a bit like how you know Americans treat prom. It's something that when you're very young and you know you're just a few years into puberty or you've just reached puberty it's something very exciting that you look forward to. It's a kind of right that they go through. And to me Valentine's Day sits in with that. something that maybe is exciting for teenagers and at some point you have to sort of grow out of it and if you don't then it just it's very odd because unless you're actually in a relationship 
it's you you're just beating yourself up for being single no exactly um and it's funny that you liken it to prom just because i i've always thought that like prom culture is you know how americans go on and on about rape culture i feel like prom is the root of american <laughs> rape culture yeah and the kind of stories that i mean of course my understanding of prom completely is based on television so i don't know how much of that actually yeah we're like 30 year old actors are playing 15 year old yeah and they're wearing you know designer gowns that cost thousands of dollars so i don't know how it works out in real life but then the stories always fall into the same pattern of this rush to find a prom date and then there are these side stories of making a statement going you know with someone from the same gender or going by yourself and or wearing something you know not expected of you you know like a woman wearing a suit or a man wearing a dress or a boy wearing a dress rather so it's all these same stories and then you have these hotel rooms that they book expecting to you know lose their virginity on prom so that's what i associate with it and so to me valentine's day is also something like that something you know kids get excited about because maybe their crush will send them a rose or something of that sort um yeah and it's it's often a really like um like a commercial sense of like what love like what it means to like express love for someone it's a really um i don't know like i feel like women get this idea of something that they wanted to think is romantic but it's something it centers around some kind of arts and craft project I or like or like a, a very like public declaration of love or i wanted i wanted to get into this actually this is a great segue because um in this episode we're going to be breaking down um the different types of men um that internet discourse like it like internet discourses basically compartmentalize men into these different types and categories and i confuse the terms all the time and i thought a valentines day episode would be a great way to um look about like look into uh what this like catalog of masculinity is what's like the fuss made over them uh we could talk about any anecdotal experience we have with men like this and then finally like how would we rate these men on a scale of attractiveness So the first guy, the first type of man is the wife guy. And initially, like I got this idea for this episode off this array.co.in um article that I sent to you. So the name of this array article is The Year of Wife Guys. Like Virat Kohli and US Vice President Kamala Harris's husband Doug Emhoff. Um so the article, I mean basically posits posits like a new um i mean it basically brings the wife guy discourse to india but it completely like i don't know like perverts the meaning of what wife guy usually means um stands to mean it instead it makes it about the guy who is just ready to play second wid- fiddle to his wife instead of um the more um the more conventional use of the word wife guy which is about a sort of over enthusiastic guy who's really into being a husband and really into having a wife um it's kind of changed it to refer to men who are okay with taking the back seat as their wife's careers um take to the forefront and it highlights women like um Anushka Sharma the Bollywood actress Indira Nooyi the Pepsi CEO um and Hillary not Hillary Clinton yeah Kamala Harris So yeah, what are your thoughts? What 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 did you think when you read that 
uh, article? It's a bit confusing, I feel, because I think a lot of these terms that originate on American internet, by the time they reach India, they morph into something else completely. Because I'm not sure, for example, how Virat Kohli is a wife guy, because he's barely done the bare, like, you know, he's, I don't think he's done even the bare minimum to be considered a wife guy. He's just someone who's not shitty to his wife and chooses to, you know, stand, he's a very normal husband, I think, if you look at, uh, if you, I don't know, if you look at more uh, universal standards of what a good husband should be, I don't think he's a wife guy, I think he's just a normal husband. But in India, the standard for a normal husband is so far below the ground that someone like Virat Kohli actually seems like a wife guy. But I found um, funny about this is that it's also linking wife guys to what you'd call like successful women. Um, women who anyway, like when it says that, when it try, when it says that, you know, in, when it makes that argument that Indian women are used to doing everything, having careers and also coming back home to work, um, at home and, you know, the household chores is on their head. I'm just like, yeah, but Anushka Sharma is not, or Indra Nui don't have the burden of housework on their heads. You know what I mean? So I'm like the fact that it was it was talking, it was using these relationships in which the women anyway would not have to shoulder that burden of housework and they weren't like the average Indian woman. And I thought that was kind of funny. But um yeah, like also like it turned it it's funny that it like changed the sort of the cringe um the, the sort of typical cringe understanding of what a wife guy is. Um, which I want to get into um, and it made it something that is um, an act of empowerment for the woman rather than like a sort of like skeevy male type yeah the traditional definition of the wife guy is a man who's not just a husband um, the wife guy married a woman and now that's his personality um, and it might even be something that he's um, turned into a job um, and the wife guy defines himself through a kind of overreaction to being married. So basically like an overenthusiastic married guy. Um, and it's something that it's turned into a bit of an influencer branding type. Um, and it's a, just a, another way of bragging about your relationship status. And it's almost like a little bit like feminized because usually women would be bragging about how they're like you know those women who are the pick me's like the women who um are always like men pick me and you know here's how women can be more attractive to men and this is the guy i have um and part of their personality is the fact that they have a guy uh, it seems like the wife guy is just the male counterpoint counterpart to that type of woman yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's quite it. I mean, uh, somewhere, I don't think first India has a kind of internet culture that 4chan, Reddit, etc. culture that you find in America. I mean, not to that extent where, you know, trends from there seep into the mainstream. So there's always a poor imitation of every meme that travels from America to India and wife guy is subject you know is, is a victim of that as well because in india wife guy just means at, as of now a very famous person 
who is a good husband to another famous person. Yeah, that's what the Because Ari said. Because that's all said. the examples Indians have, right? Yeah, that's that's all that's all Indians have is reference. Is that you know you have someone who is you know literally one of the most famous, wealthiest, successful cricketers, married to one of the most again famous, wealthy uh, uh, actresses, right? I mean, so I I really don't know. I don't think. There are wife guys in India. I mean, have you ever come across a wife guy? I've absolutely never come across a man whose entire personality is just having no. A but wife. I do think it's a way in which um, I don't think that's it. But I do think on something like Twitter, um, there are men who do you remember this one Twitter post by this guy who he posted like a photo of his wife and in and he's just like, oh, she's so hot. I can't believe she's my wife. Oh, just look at her. She's so fucking hot. Come on, internet. Like, tell me how hot my wife is. <laughs> oh, I can <laughs> <even> remember this. <laughs> and I feel like there's that. And I think that like a lot of people think people think. And it also reminds me of once someone shared a Justin Bieber post about his wife, and how he was like, "Oh my god, like I love my baby, I love my baby so much. Like my baby, she's the so you know she's the reason why I live, and the, the God created this perfect woman just for me. Like the sort of um, um, I I don't know if it's like I don't think I would go as far as to say these men have turned it into part of their brand, so they've commercialized it or commodified it, and you know are mining clout or money through it." But I do think that it is. I think I think it's become increasingly acceptable for men to act like this. Um, but before men were kind of like stoic. Like before, if men were kind of stoic about being in a relationship, um, a little more reserved. I think now it's like normal for men to be like cute anime characters about their wives. Like ew, like ooh, like you know, I don't know, like do baby voice on the baby voice version on the internet, or use just lots of like. Heart emojis and um, yeah, so I think that the men like I think I think why there might not be wife wife guy wife guys I do think there's I have seen an uptick in men like this. Yeah, I I mean I would agree with that because even on my Instagram I see a lot of couples posting about each other. Normally before it was more of women talking about their boyfriends or their husbands which is acceptable wonderful they are <laughs> and yeah that's always been acceptable women talking about their relationships has always been acceptable whereas men are sort of just ex- uh, expected to be quiet about it and now you see a lot more men posting pictures of their girlfriends or their wives and floored by the fact that someone like that would you know be with someone like me it's almost Self like derogatory in a way, because yeah, but it's like humble of, bragging. It's, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not uh, in a negative way, but you know, like oh, I'm such a terrible, pathetic slob, and I can't do anything properly. And this angel has decided to you know uh, bestow her love on me, and I'll always be so grateful for that. It's very um, overly sweet. Uh, like do you find men like that attractive i don't just because i always see um like when there's excessive flattery i always think that there's an agenda like under the underlying agenda to excessive flattery um so i i i'm just immediately suspicious of men who even do things like public um proposals and uh speaking of like um sort of like 
wanting to become a celebrity by virtue of your personal life i want to now move on to talking about um another type of man uh, which are simps and reply guys because they also have a very peculiar relationship to internet celebrity in the sense they always kind of want to be they always kind of want to be around like like buzzing flies um almost um anyone who has a certain any kind of internet celebrity or not even celebrity in any even not even a blue check person but anyone they see as uh, sl- maybe slightly more like visible or clout having than them they're usually in their ads um yeah so um a reply guy is a person usually male and with very few followers who replies to almost everything you post on social media They are harmless, perplexing, and utterly obnoxious. The unsolicited responses from a reply guy can take on many forms: bad jokes, correctives, unsolicited advice, tired memes. They also frequently target women, these overconfident bros who hope to get noticed by mansplaining or by just generally pestering, being generally pestering until they're given a response. Don't you feel amazing that? that mansplaining is has such wide reach that like a GQ article is is talking about mansplaining i mean that must feel <laughs> incredible i think at this point just any man talking is considered mansplaining i remember when it was when people start, first started talking about it it was very specifically about someone who has less knowledge than whatever your niche is whatever your expertise is is trying to explain something and then the best examples that will come up is someone you know usually a woman obviously i mean obviously always a woman talking about discussing something that she's written and you know a reply guy not realizing that you know she's the author of the text that she's discussing and you know he tries to explain it back to her and you know she says Hey guy listen I wrote that so I know what I'm talking about it's like you know right so initially it was I felt that mansplaining was supposed to be that you know someone explaining to an expert like a layman explaining to you know a female expert uh but now I feel if a man has an opinion it's just termed mansplaining and dismissed even if you're absolutely in the wrong yourself Yeah and also just I think it's funny when women say they're being mansplained too because really the question is what do you have expertise in for someone to like it's been completely divorced from its original purpose mansplaining like a lot of these like a lot of these terms are when they enter sort of twitter but um it's just funny when like If if I'm talking about an opinion on a film and a man disagrees with me, it's not exactly man feeling. It's man feeling because I'm not like an expert on film. Um, but um, anyway, so have you had reply guys? What has your anecdotal experience been with reply guys at large, mansplainers hmm. or not? I've personally uh not come across mansplainers. I've because I don't consider myself. an expert on anything so i can't really say if you know i mean i've i've met a lot of assholes in real life uh so what i normally face is that you know if you have an opinion about something then you have usually an aggressive uh man trying to tell you why your opinion is wrong and usually my way of handling that is just starting to question them not as in challenge them but oh is that so can you tell me more about this and the more you start to prod the more they fail to answer those questions because 
they're just as ignorant about as about it as I am, right? So eventually they start looking kind of stupid because they can't answer the questions anymore. Because they have to start saying, I don't know, I don't yeah, know, I, I don't like, know. And it diffuses that. I feel like reply guys are men who just... I feel like reply guys are men who just don't want to admit that they're stupid too. Yeah, so I think the best thing is to just accept that they are better than you and that they know more than you. And then start asking them questions instead, you know, start seeking the answers from them. And you'll realize that, you know, they don't really have anything much to say. They'll struggle to hold the conversation. Uh, that's at least one technique. And if you are an expert on something, then I think it's quite easy to, you know, uh, dismiss them. I, I think but, you know, I yeah. haven't seen that many women with reply guys. Um... I really feel like the people I've seen most with reply guys are other men. I feel like reply guy condition is a bond. It's like desperately wanting someone to think you're smart almost. Like I feel like that's the impulse of the reply guy. And I think it's directed towards men like Sturgeon's Law has so many reply guys. Oh my um, God. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, And I I feel like people have. I feel like all these random men on the internet who have like a homoerotic fixation on on him and like thinking they're smart. A lot of these men are like Indian guys too. Yeah. Um, but I just think that like I haven't seen anyone with more reply guys than Sturgeon's Law. I think I did have, I had reply guys at one point in time, but then I ended up befriending them almost and then... I kind of realized at that moment, a word of advice to women, like don't, don't treat your reply guy like he's an equal, just because I can guarantee you it won't neutralize him, it'll just make him even worse. So just, yeah, that's a, a hard lesson I've learned in life that reply guys, once you start treating them like equals, actively start becoming hostile. <laughs> Uh, because they think they have nothing left to prove to you and now yeah, yeah. they're taking out yeah but yeah, I've seen this too with uh, popular accounts uh, I hate saying accounts because they're actually people so let's just say you know popular men on mm-hmm. Twitter and I think a lot of uh, I think the reason why they also have a lot of um, reply guys is because again these popular guys are sort of like Twitter celebrity you know, not the blue check variety, but... They're almost more mysterious at than some blue level. check. Yeah, it's yeah. like that intrigue. And once that happens, I think these people sort of start developing some sort of parasocial relationship with them and they want to be seen, but they still want that dynamic where it's an unknown person talking to a popular person. Like they want this famous guy this cool guy to be their friend so that they can tell people oh yeah that that guy who goes viral all the time and he has you know you know he he tweets such amazing things you know we know each other you know we're friends we're like we're twitter buddies you know he's one of my bros it's you know it's it's i'm I'm in the boys chat with that guy so i maybe it's just it's just a way of seeking the kind of friends that you would actually want to have in real life but you don't. Yeah, and I just, it's funny to me that they're called overconfident bros, like the, the initial definition I read out. I, I think they're not, I think reply guys are fundamentally very needy people. Um, yeah, I've always found them needy. I don't find them, you know, 
uh, overconfident. I think it's they're trying to match your confidence, right? I mean, because that's what it's always felt like, as if, you know, hey, I'm cool enough to talk to you, so please listen to me as well. Like, validate my confidence rather than, you know, I'm yeah. more confident than you. If people think reply guys are bad, like, I want them to meet, like, the the... The, the female version of the reply mm-hmm. guy which is basically like the single white female who literally is someone who like like hates you is jealous of you idolizes you wants to be you starts copying everything you want to be and then ultimately like steals your boyfriend yeah. and kills you like that's the like reply guys are so tame in comparison mm. uh, to the female variant yeah I think you should absolutely just go ahead and become friends with reply guys but oh I think with girls, the the relationship is completely different. On the one hand, you have something like what you said, someone who is jealous of of very of your so-called identity on social media. And she wants to consume that and make it a part of her own identity. And these aren't even an absolutely perfect reflection of who we are in real people, right? Because social media accentuates the part of us that our audience receives the best. So if that's the part of us that they like, that's the part that we're going to keep showing. So there's a whole lot of it where, you know, there's a whole lot of it that they're not seeing and we're not showing because it doesn't get the same kind of, you know, uh, response. And then you have the other kind of, I don't know, reply girl, which is the hype girl, right? I mean, and I think she's crueler than the one who just wants to eat your life because this is a girl that actually doesn't like you very much and probably makes fun of you and bitches about you in social media DMs. But she's always there to tell you how gorgeous you look. I've and never had this. No one tells me I'm good looking on Twitter. <laughs> I I think I've told you. Yeah, you times. have. But that's because I actually I, do find you good looking. I mean, I would never go to someone... And, you know, who I personally did not find, you know, very, very attractive enough to tell them like, hey, you look very gorgeous in that picture. Usually Uh it's not about finding them attractive and more about how close I am that I feel comfortable telling them you look very good looking Mm -hmm. in that picture. right? Exactly. So uh, I think, you know, you see, I mean, I've come across people, you know, just uploading something very terrible, like a piece of art or maybe a song that they sang and it's you know very objectively terrible or just a lazy doodle right and they're like oh i'm bored just drew a doodle and i'm not i I don't even think the person who's uploading it is expecting the kind of response but everyone you see is and only you know mostly i feel girls do this right oh my god that's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen have you considered selling (laughs) <laughs> which is the thing I've always noticed this right there's so many different people who just and they're not even um, you know it's they don't even do it as a hobby right but every now and then everybody draws a thing or two and then you'll have lots of these women going hey have you thought about selling your work because it would totally sell it's so amazing and these are the people last I mean, these are people I would never spend for art, right? They're, they're just saying it because I don't know what is the impulse here. Maybe that's just the way they're trained to socialize is to, you know, uh, give people false compliments. And, you know, you upload a, 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 an audio of you singing terribly and everyone says, 
oh my god you should i wish you were in a band and i'm thinking what are you talking about this is terrible singing i mean and i'm very certain that you're talking about it you know you're just personally thinking wow that's really terrible but i'm going to you know hype this girl unnecessarily and i don't know why that happens and on my old account because i was allowed to follow a lot of private accounts i would see that difference between what these girls thought of each other mm. in on the main yeah i think that so much was i don't think private. men are right? i think i don't think men are duplicitous with other men in this way when men are thirsty it's really evident yeah. and they don't often have i think sometimes men can have ulterior motives with women but it's rarely with other men but i i know i like you're right i mean i'm lucky that i mean actually i have dealt with women like this but i've never been close to a woman like this but um i i think that you're right that women um i think because women are so invested in being like cute and nice and you know being seen that way when actually inside they're nurturing like a deep well yeah. of like jealousy and resentment <laughs> that they sort of develop this duplicitous persona and like i always say it's usually the women who are the most sort of like saccharine and cute who are like fucking serial killers like behind the scenes like you can't, they can't be trusted i prefer women who are just straight up assholes over women who have this persona being sickly sweet i feel that a lot of this comes from how you're conditioned from a very young age to be maternal which also means to always be kind and doting and appreciate everything because you have to infantilize everyone right i think women infantilize each other a lot more than men infantilize women because we're always looking at each other as children where you're not allowed to say anything offensive or anything mean or anything rude because you might hurt their feelings you know how if a child draws yeah i mean if a child draws a little you know cute picture of a of a of illustration of a dog you don't tell the child you know that's an ugly ass looking dog it doesn't even look like a dog you're a dumbass and you should never pick up a pencil and draw ever again you're you're never going to make a career as an artist you might as well give it up you wouldn't do that no matter how shitty the drawing is you think oh my god it's this adorable you know can you draw me another dog and this exactly how women treat each other even in adulthood this right? is how women treat each other when they're 30 years old this urge to hype each other and then laugh behind their back that's the thing that i mean it's it's different if you're just one of those people who tell who who likes everything everything is oh my god that's so nice oh my god so pretty oh my god everything is nice and you just never express your own opinion about anything but it's the fact that i've seen some of these people laugh at these women behind their backs which is what i i don't understand i i don't understand what is the joy you get in 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 you know being so duplicitous and um but just coming back to um like reply guys and simps like how would you rate them on a scale of attractiveness and would you rate them higher than wife guys definitely higher than wife guys because wife guys are too involved in i don't know i mean you, you i just get very uh cringy kind of feels when i see a wife guy because i would be very creeped out by someone who liked me that much 
<laughs> same yeah it, it's just not possible right to me it's just not humanly possible to be in such awe of someone and i would i i prefer someone who's a bit more aloof to my existence uh and so i would definitely prefer a reply guy or a sim because you know at least you can ignore them and at least like but between yeah. sim yeah no and i i, no, I kind of ahead, feel like it's the same way i feel about incels who i want to talk about next i kind of feel like with the reply guy if you like give him attention it kind of feels like you're fixing someone it kind of feels like you're just like literally like helping someone's yeah. day be better yeah that is true you know like you just you just adding joy to someone's day and it's like that's easy to manage yeah it is and you can control how much you interact you know with a reply guy sometimes you can just be yeah but a wife guy is literally a yeah, so you can't really escape that i mean you can escape that as well but it's you know it's, it's much more difficult but the thing is i'm assuming wife guys have wives that like being with wife guys which is why that relationship even exists to begin with right so they exist in their own little universe um and now moving on to incels this is probably the most dangerous type of male because um incels have become flashpoints in cultural discourse at least in the US and i linked an article about um how incel culture is penetrating in india as well which is really funny yeah um but uh, the term incel refers to involuntary celibate incels are an online community of men who bond over their inability to attract women and then it's kind of like the inability to attract women um then morphs into collective rage and bitterness which then manifests as physical emotional etc in tech digital violence against women um that is sort of the incel that is sort of why incels are considered so dangerous um and i just wanted to also bring to your attention uh, this hmm. um post on reddit uh by uh, carisel69 um co- and the title is india will be the most incel country in 20 years um and it says most people here think that western countries have the most incels as percent of their population but india will overtake the west for these following reasons number 1 the end to the practice of arranged marriages in urban india arranged marriages have used are viewed as archaic by many middle class urban indians this will result in ugly males having to get brides from lower castes okay uh two lack of women There is a shortage of women in India and this should be self-explanatory. Mm. <laughs> 3. Growing feminism has caused many women to see being a wife as a bad thing. Feminism is all over India's urban middle class although has yet to penetrate poorer areas such as Bihar and Uttar Pradesh. Oh my god. Most Indian for most Indian males have no social skills or involved conversation with women. Indian men have yet to adapt. and they are going to drown in an india without arranged marriage okay so point number 1 and point number 4 exactly the same um uh, i feel i truly feel sorry for middle class indian men is they going to get 
as things are going to get worse for them in the coming years as feminism grows and chokes them so i feel like this is an extension of just you know there's that middle class upper caste indian guy who thinks he's been screwed over by reservation uh who thinks um he's been screwed over by feminism who just thinks that like his existence and survival is under attack and now i think that even the whole bogey of love jihad is basically hindu inceldom i think india's already an incel country whether arranged marriages are popular or not i think you know we don't we i don't think we have to wait 20 years uh because even if you're not physically incel they still have the mind of an incel right it, it's just the culture like they, you can be married and you can have or have a girlfriend but there's so much overlap with this so called incel personality and just the you're totally right and you're totally right they totally be married men with children who who have the incel personality um do you think that incels are like do you think they're as dangerous as people make them out to be like i know that incels are connected to like violence against women in terms of you know like i just i find it bizarre when i know that in america perhaps there's a more direct connection in terms of like um or oh, these incels men in like school shooting i don't know i i don't know enough to comment but i know that those linkages have been made you have so many instances like i grew up being terrified of all these things about um how men uh just like go- i remember when i was like 16 17 there was a story in hyderabad of a guy who went with a chainsaw to his school and like killed a girl in front of everyone because he thought that like they were meant to be together but uh she didn't she told him she like rejected him and told him that you know i don't like you back so he just like killed her with a chainsaw in school and and i just like would you like is that like a manifestation of the incel mentality or should we just not let internet discourse penetrate in this way penetrate in this way right because um there might be superficial fam- uh, similarities and i'm already also not very certain that we can consider a term like incel terrorism but um for the simple reason that only a very small tiny fringe of these people you know goes out and commits these kinds of crimes but in the indian context we grew up with stories like this right my first boyfriend so to say was well actually not a boyfriend but i i'm, I'm definitely I'm, i'm quite certain he was trying to groom me because i was just 12 11 or 12 years old and he was almost 20 21 and i remember a, a month into us talking a lot on the phone he said i want to die with you and i thought okay i i don't understand what you mean and he said i want to grow old and i want to die with you and i want our graves to be next to each other and that's not something a normal person tells another person who they've just known for a month right and uh that was i mean if uh, despite being a child i realized there was something very uncomfortable about what was happening here so i uh emailed him saying oh my sister found out about us and our texts so she uh said that you know she would tell my parents and that i'm not old enough to have a boyfriend so i can't talk to you anymore and luckily at the time he had just left um saudi for australia and uh, 
that sort of meant that, you know, I had some physical distance from him. And then he, you know, replied saying, oh, I've lost my phone and I, I don't have your number. This is really hard for me to process. And I ignored the mail, right? And then years later, I, I blocked him on all social media. And at that time it was Emerson Messenger, right? And I blocked him on it, blocked his email address, blocked his number. And then maybe around four years or so later, uh, I unblocked everyone on my messenger list. And immediately he sent me a message, you know, and uh, I just said, uh, hey, who is this? And you know, he started abusing me. And I said, okay, I remember now, but you know, what's, it's been so long, you know, why are you still hung up on it? And then he said, you know, I followed you around for six months. And at the time I made light of it and I said, well, you didn't do a very good job because I didn't even realize. And then later on he said, you know, I was in your house. <gasps> and I and I said, what? How is that even possible? And he said, yeah, I, I remembered you telling me that your mom uh, used, you know, uh, was a beautician. So I told my mom that, oh, yeah, I know a place where you can go, which is much better than where you go right now. And so I took her to your place and I sat there in your uh, living room waiting for you to come so that I could, you know, confront you. But you do, you just stayed in your room. I knew you was in the house, but, you know, you didn't step out of your bedroom. And I came with my mom so many times hoping that you would open the door, but you didn't. Was that, you know, I think my laziness really saved me in that uh, in those scenarios. Yeah, your moody teenage yeah. years. And yeah. he would talk about how he would follow my bus every day. Or not, I mean, oh, not God, every day, yeah. but, you know, like, oh, I followed you all the time. That's what he said, all the time, right? So I don't know if he did it every day or just once in a while. And I would honk or whatever, and you, you never looked. And I just thought to myself, you know, oh, wow, uh, this is such a creepy person. And I was lucky that after all those years, I'd just forgotten about it and they didn't care. But, you know, he cursed me and said, you know, I hope, you know, you have terrible luck uh, with men from here on or was for what you did to me. But it was so surprising that, you know, after so many years that had passed and, you know, you assume that he'd mature, but to him, it was just like, oh, this 11-year-old betrayed me. <laughs> that, that's how he processed it, right? And and he was quite, yeah. 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 And almost like a wound to his ego, right? Because I feel yeah. like men are often, I mean, I feel like part of this is also like the incel woundedness. But obviously, we've, we've now got into territory that goes so beyond how men are, how how incels operate but um but i feel like men in general have this mentality that they're gaming women you know almost that they are the ones who are manipulating and coercing a woman and then when they feel like it backfires on them the rage gets amplified because then it's sort of like a sense of humiliation because they were wrong about themselves and i've just seen men like i had a similar experience not as not as horrifying and 11 is really young when I was 15 uh, I had a 24 year old who was fixated on me and um and uh, I remember like a similar thing of when I was 18 19 suddenly this rage coming up against me because I'd kind of grown into my own person 
and this like ex- and still sort of treating me like a kid and then when i would say you know like please stop you know like he would just keep pestering me to meet him and call me all the time and wanted to meet me meet me meet yeah. me um and when i told him finally that i don't want to meet him um he said how how dare you talk to someone who's older than you like that don't you have any respect for my age and i'm like don't you have any respect for my age you stupid yeah. bitch <laughs> Um, but I think that uh, I think that yeah I feel like men often feel like they I feel like they are attracted to women who are like underage or like that young because um, they think that we are like more malleable and then when we sort of just don't conform I think that 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 wounds them because they picked us because we weren't like women their age They, they didn't think they were we were going to be like women their age yeah that's the thing uh, i feel that you know you we can't really uh, make parallels between what happens in america and what happens in india first because um let's be honest there's is a very objectively more civilized society right and second they have better equality between the genders than we do and third from everything that i've read and from what and from the people that i see online who identify as incels it seems to be more of um a sort of i mean it seems to be rooted in some sort of alienation and you know they feel displaced in this whatever cultural transformation america is going through right now and in india it's quite different in india it's because of traditional culture uh that you know we're facing what we're facing right because it's it's not alienation that's making men behave like this is it because all and it men, isn't like digital alienation it's not something because new. all of these men eventually are um, going to get married yeah. by force or maybe they will find some unfortunate human being who falls in love with them or they'll just be arranged into you know some uh, marriage right so they don't have the kind of they, there's no lack of prospects it's quite a given that in fact not only will they end up with a woman that's the kind of it's it's destined that they will be and i think it's that it's when you shake that belief that's what angers them so you know when you have a woman you set her eyes on her and you think this woman is going to be my wife and she says i'm sorry i'm 10 years old and i need to go home and it completely shakes their world because everything that they've been taught about women and about what they deserve suddenly comes crashing down right that they can't actually have whomever they want so i feel in india it's this and this is just one of the reasons i feel i think there are so many more reasons why indian um, men so often react violently to rejection yeah um that's that's totally right and i and i feel like sort of um what do you call it like retrofitting the incel name onto these kinds of behaviors i mean i see people in america doing that i don't know i can't speak to the like sociological context but um to sort of sort of male rage and violence but um in india especially it's it's actually insidious old school so yeah so i actually don't think that incels online i feel like i feel like men have 
been burdened with the tag of incels and i think women are equally incels and i think women are incels in ways that are can also sometimes be as entitled and manipulative um and yeah like this entitlement towards sex and being desired is something that i think men and women have i don't think it's a male thing and i think women can also be really fucked up yeah uh, maybe they we're more unlike than we want to believe that we're not because it's just conditioning isn't it since you're a child you're made to repress all kinds of emotions uh, you're not allowed to laugh too loudly you're not allowed to cry too much uh, you're allowed to persevere if you don't like someone you're supposed to repress it and be nice to them be polite to them and do what they ask you to do and maybe this does have a very extreme effect once you enter adulthood where you can't or maybe you find difficulty in confronting someone that you don't like so you have to talk behind their back or you have to act behind their back maybe if more women as children when they're children rather uh, are made to just beat each other up and express whatever emotion it is that they want to express more openly we'd have a lot healthier relationships in adulthood i i truly much believe less viciousness i truly believe like, I think, that i'm normal now I think because young i used boys to punch people to, when i was a kid yeah. so i think young boys are allowed to beat each other up too much and young girls are not allowed to beat each other enough exactly no i actually totally agree with that i i i credit my like my sort of like my the fact that i'm a well adjusted yeah. adult to the fact that i really was i let out like childhood aggression like if i wanted to punch someone i punched them if i wanted to fill a bag full of dictionaries and thesauruses and like hit, like throw the bag on someone's head i did that <laughs> you know like i totally acted psychotic at a young age um against people who pissed me off and a lot of that as a result of like pent up aggression Yeah. and is this gone i think i think i think young girls should be allowed to feel angry uh, more physically and overtly than be trained like little dogs to keep it all repressed inside and you know no matter how hyper you are you have to sit otherwise you don't get your treat right and you should just let them go completely wild i i'm a big supporter of extremely let them behave as wildly as they want because uh it's good to get it all out uh nothing good comes from telling someone who's very angry that they should in fact not be angry but smile and agree with everyone else because i mean you're going to want to express that discomfort in some way or the other and i think that happens just you know behind the person's back which is yeah and that's yeah and that's why i feel like it's because of that that i feel like women often turn it inwards yeah. and i think and it, and it's sad yeah. right because um, it, it you know, nobody should have to go through that you know nobody should have to have such an unhealthy way to cope with something they clearly don't like you know because it all boils down to that right it's just that someone's getting on your nerves and you've been conditioned for years not to express that discomfort so you have to find all kinds of fucked up ways to let all that energy out 
That's an interesting point. I feel like I and I feel like it's 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 in these sort of experiences of early childhood. I it's a segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which is like the whole alpha, beta, omega, sigma, all of these hierarchizing, like uh, these like terms that hierarchize masculinity almost. Um, and yeah. and I think that. Hmm. And I think that women end up like I think it was these early childhood experiences that women, um, like, I don't know, like it's a it's a. That uh, do you think that this level of hierarchizing exists between women? Like I don't think so. Like, in terms of like personality types and categories. I don't think there's yeah. a hierarchy. There yeah. categories, and. A lot of them overlap, uh, but I don't think that there are hierarchies. At least, I've never come across a hierarchy in women. In fact, the only hierarchy in women are those traditional hierarchies that are informed by class, relations, status, caste. Those kinds of hierarchies. Yes, I've seen those, and I think that has less um, to do with relations among genders. Uh, and more of what is expected of your gender within your class or within your caste or ethnicity, whatever, what have you. But yeah. this kind of hierarchy, which is so rooted in just the level of masculinity, right? That's all there is to it. It's very one-dimensional. Also, it's a hierarchy that's bred by proximity. Because if yeah. you notice, like all of these, um, in 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 like the most that I can compare to what women do is that maybe in a traditional Indian household, the way that like the mother-in-law is the alpha and like the way, you know, like uh, the, the female, how the household and the women in it are hierarchized in that same, it's sort of like a chain of yeah. command and everyone has a particular role to play. Like that's yeah. most, but even that might be kind of tenuous to draw comparison to. I think, I think what's interesting yeah. is that the way that men, ha- it's like, it's like, it's like, like it's because they're so prox- there's a proximity to each other like everything is relational like the alpha and beta male it's a it's a relation hmm. you know i feel like yeah. a man who could be an alpha in a certain dynamic could be a beta in another dynamic with someone else uh, okay, you know okay, okay, like in, in the sense it all depends on who is on top in that particular moment in that particular context um which is yeah. yeah but like what you said with women in a household I- i'm not sure if it completely maps out for the simple reason that um, the level of femininity, the extent of femininity is not the question here, right? It's just a matter of your status in that household. That is your responsibilities and your obligations. And those itself are assigned by somebody else. Not necessarily, um, you know, I mean, at least not all women have had a say in what those roles and responsibilities are. Maybe the matriarch of the house does to some extent or, you know, to a fairly large extent as well. But uh, I don't think it, it's still comparable to these alpha, beta, uh, you know, uh, hierarchies uh, that seem to respond online, right? Yeah, and I actually wanted to ask you, like, why do you think so many, like, why do you think this exists? I mean, we've talked about the other kinds of guys, and those are, like, the, I feel like the types you described before were sort of, like, in the, like, bullshit internet version of sociology, like, they've been defined by, like, these commentators, but I feel like Alpha, Sigma, and all have been very much defined by a certain type like this is not something that like Jessica Valenti in the Guardian is 
assigning to men like she does with like dude bros or like why incels are dangerous it's something that is coming out of like out of like like male the manosphere um and i think it's interesting like why do you think that internet like i do think why do you think that like in internet discourse there's um this there's this these categories of men when they don't really exist like that for women maybe because right now we're at a time where it is masculinity that's being challenged a lot more um whereas with femininity it's something that we're trying to expand to include more we're trying to normalize and, it yeah and in fact if you look at the trends now not only is femininity trying to expand but it's also absorbing what would traditionally be considered masculine traits into itself so now it's feminine to be assertive you know it's feminine to be aggressive uh it's feminine to uh and you know and, and not just that it's it's bossy is good now and we know that from you know the girl boss that was this phenomenon and so femininity i think is is just expanding into something more uh, vast and something richer more accommodating and especially more accommodating of masculine traits so but with masculinity i feel it's different it's being challenged it's being narrowed down to its most violent forms and its most you know cruel forms and you're challenging it and you're saying that it has to end so maybe these hierarchies and these weird categories being invented online are just a way to sort of fit into an increasingly narrow uh definition of masculinity like where do you find yourself in this you know sort of closing gap where do you find yourself where do you fit in what these are the few positive things left about masculinity and we need to regroup and sort of you know uh preserve them exactly Because, i think it's in response to like toxic masculinity you know yeah. becoming something that women are constantly railing against and like men now understand that masculinity is toxic but then how do you define a non toxic masculinity yeah. and it's almost like thing, right? yeah nobody even defines what masculinity is to be honest i think people uh, uh, i don't know how to explain this but people seem to first define just generally negative traits and then label them masculine i feel that's what's happening so if you are cruel it becomes a masculine trait right if you speak over someone it's a masculine trait if you are violent that's masculinity so everything negative becomes masculine and everything positive or everything that can be turned positive becomes feminine so you have I, i i at least that's what i feel it is right because every time someone critiques masculinity i'm i struggle to see what exactly is it that they're calling masculine you understand what i'm saying right because uh because when when you have a man who's very compassionate or who at least expresses compassion openly and women say you know this is the kind of man we want someone with feminine traits <laughs> right and 
whereas if you have a woman who's very assertive, who's very uh, in control, who shuts down bullshitters and has a no-nonsense uh, take on everything, and that becomes the new femininity, right? This is feminine. And whereas traditionally that would, that would have been considered masculine. So I feel like people just go by their gut or what they want to be feminine. If they, if they want something positive to be feminine because they support it, then that's what femininity is. And if it's something they don't like, then that's what masculinity is. And since that seems to be the, the way media dominantly approaches things, you have this reactionary group of men who think, okay, looks like everything masculine is bad. So we need to carve out these little categories for ourselves and assign, like have some kind of control over how we label ourselves. Uh-huh. And I also just think, I, 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 but I also just find, um, it's so homo in the way that they, like, I, there's something, I, mean, I don't understand what it's so, in, in what sense? I mean, I mean, it's so like, oh, like, look at this guy. He's so hot. He's an alpha. And look at this guy. Oh, like He's that. so like suave. He's a, gamma or a sigma i don't know the difference he's a sigma look at this guy he's so cute he's a beta you know <laughs> like uh, yeah. the, i feel like men it's it's a form of like um, men assessing each other's attractiveness or like each other's like viability in like the in the dating market i don't know i think the way these men like if i would imagine myself i mean I don't know how well I can imagine myself as a man, but if I were to see myself as a man and everyone's telling me that the very essence of my gender is corrupt and tainted beyond, uh, you know, uh, savior, I mean, beyond being saved. And the only way I can change is to, you know, destroy my masculinity. And I don't even know what that means, right? It's a lot like what women do as well, right? In the sense, I'm not one of those girls. Right? So I'm not one of those, you know, uh, simps. I fall into, you know, these more evolved categories. And even with women, you have, you know, the basic bitch, right? Isn't that a sort of like a beta female? Isn't that, isn't that what a basic bitch is? Yeah, I mean, but what I find interesting is that when men, initially I thought that these were terms of like men insulting each other, but no, it just, it's kind of good faith. It's like when a guy is called a beta, like the way when I was, I actually went deep into like the, like the, like the YouTube sphere of like looking at these show, you know, shows and watching their videos about how they discuss these different things. They're just like, oh, a beta male is a guy that like girls find cute and the kind of guy they want to settle around, Mm. settle with. Like they didn't, they weren't describing like beta male is the one all of us alphas get together and beat the shit out of and sacrifice. Like, you know, it wasn't like that. It was... It's like, it's, um, it's, they all have their place. Yeah. It's like, not everyone can be an alpha. Then there's no alpha. right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, almost like coming to peace with like the hierarchy of the, of the world of men. And I found it was, um, 
I don't know, like the way that Sigma males are defined, he goes around being his attractive self, not even looking to see if anyone is paying attention to him. It's the fact that the <laughs> Sigma male has now displaced the alpha is the most desirable type of man to be. And a Sigma male is defined as someone who doesn't give a shit what other people think about him. Like, doesn't that just reveal something about where the male psyche is at right now? It does. But when you say that way, it also looks a lot like you know those little uh, cliques that they supposedly have according to Hollywood in American high schools where it's not necessarily all antagonistic to each other but they all exist for their own reason right the theater kids the dorky kids the uh, you know the kids who smoke at the back of the school uh, and, you know, the, sl- the the kids who are very slutty and none of them's virgin and the jocks. And I feel that somewhere they're still trying to maybe replay those, like replay some version of their high school where in reality, all these little cliques actually mix together with each other, right? In an actual American high school. It's not as segregated as they show it in Hollywood. And... I feel these categories are also the same, aren't they? Like you have, it's it's not as if, you know, you have alpha, beta, or whatever, and none of them are supposed to mix with each other. It's not like that. There's some kind of overlap between all of them, and they all work together. But at the same time, I've also seen people use, like men use, you know, beta male as a as an insult. So I think it it's more uh, it's. It just depends on. I use yeah, beta I think as it's, an a, it's a lot about how you approach these, how a man approaches these hierarchies himself, whether he sees them as just category. I use beta males to describe men who I see as like. I feel like I almost have my own definitions of all these words. Like I read something and I'm too lazy to actually figure out what it means, so then I just start adapting it as per what as to what makes sense to me. And to me, beta males are unattractive because I see beta males as kinds of people who just go along with. Like spineless, um, people yeah, who don't same, like same with me. who give in to peer pressure easily, who just like go along, like people who are like non confrontational and yeah. to me the most unattractive trait in anyone is like non like people who can't sort of call shit out or you know, don't have like a yeah. backbone. Um yeah. That's what I've always assumed. Exactly, and who we talk about all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all the Indian leftist men on Twitter right now. I think they're all beta males. Yeah. So I, I that's what even I assume. Just from the logic of those terms, I assume that a beta male is just a, a very, like, discount male, you know? Someone who is spineless at the end of the day, you know? Um, weak. Whereas an alpha male is a rapist. This is just literally my black and white definition of what an alpha male is and what a beta male is. And then you have normal men who just don't fall into any of these categories because they've got better things to do in their life, you know. And that's, yeah, that's this. No, and now they've invented categories like gamma yeah. and sigma. So the sigma, I thought initially that, you know, sigma male was a joke. I, I, I just, I really thought that. I thought it was just a silly meme that was going around, maybe like based on... Uh, I think the first time I saw it was uh, some interview uh, of 
Keanu Reeves with the caption saying, you know, this is a Sigma male because he's not alpha and he's not beta. He's just right there in the middle. He's yeah, exactly. I thought it was a joke. I didn't know that there were people who were saying, oh, my God, this is something that I related relate to. I am a Sigma male, which is weird because it's a lot like women saying, you know, I'm not like those other girls. You know, I'm not that. I'm I'm not the, you know, bitchy, nagging, uh, annoying, superficial, vain girl. But I'm also not that timid, stupid, dumb girl who needs to be taken care of. I'm in the middle, one of the boys or whatever. And at the end of the day, all of these categories just look like you've not overcome high school yet. You know, whatever the kind of environment that you find in high school where everyone's just trying to fight each other and tear each other apart and form their identities is sort of, I feel it's, it's juvenile, this need to constantly uh, put everyone in a label. And all of these labels have something or the other to do with either femininity or masculinity, right? Like fuckability. Yeah, and it or all like boils down to that eventually, that. right? It's about yeah. how fuckable you are seen in society. And the whole thing is quite dehumanizing. And Yeah. Yeah, but then it, it, I just, people just go along with it and then keep wondering, you know, why do I feel so terrible? Because I, I feel that so in so many of these things you have You've, you're playing, like, most of the dehumanization is just done by yourself to yourself. Um, totally. And I feel like that's amazing coming back full circle to Valentine's Day because I feel like we started this episode out talking about how Valentine's Day is like a self-inflicted uh, wound and yeah. uh, sort of the, 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 the panic around it and the narrative around it. And, yeah, I feel like so many... And I feel like we've just returned to that in terms of, like... I feel, at least in India... Uh, there is a good case to be made of uh, a lot of these insecurities relating to gender and sexuality and sex uh, not necessarily being self-inflicted because we do live in a very repressive and oppressive culture. And there are so many other more real uh, hierarchies among people in India that... Uh, these kind of these kinds of issues that you normally see in American media pale in comparison. I feel that a lot of what America Americans online at least complain about women and men are very self-inflicted issues because they don't really have a culture that's violently enforcing any norm upon them as in India. Right? Because in India you can actually face serious repercussions. So it's you can't tell an Indian woman, oh my God, you just need to say fuck it to your parents and do whatever you want, right? Because that's really not an option. It's very easy to say that. And it's the same as with men as well, right? Uh, if I remember in the last podcast, there was uh, in the last episode, one of your listeners uh, sent in a question about, you know, what to do when your parents are forcing you to marry someone. And they felt very trapped uh, in their, you know, in their house, in their own house because of this pressure to marry. And this was, you know, this is a grown man. And despite having the so-called privilege of being a man, they still felt a similar 
pressure that women feel and a similar fear if they, you know, uh, challenged um, their household. So at least in India, we can say that, you know, these issues of gender uh, have consequences. Whereas... Yeah, in India, it's like the real alpha is the... The yeah, the, the alpha will actually kill you. And it's very normal. And it's something society will accept. Uh, that, yeah, you also stepped out of bounds. So that's why this is, the, that's why you received the kind of treatment that you did. Whereas a lot of these issues of gender that I see in America seem to be very insipid in their, you know, um, yeah, I mean, also a lot of these issues of gender seem to be just part of, like, the push and pull of, like, the... Like, I don't know. I feel like in America, people see dating as, like, antagonistic. Like, they see relationships as, like, antagonistic as a way to, like, add spice and pepper to those relationships. Which is what, you know what I... Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like every... I think the only... When it comes to gender, the only legitimate forms of uh, violence outside of, you know, your... Uh, when I say legitimate forms of violence, I mean in the sense where uh, gender is an issue that can lead to your death. Just expressing your gender is something that could lead to violence upon you is, you know, trans people, right? Because, uh, uh, or or even more generally uh, queer people, because that is something, you know, you see very evidently because even the state is against them. It's not just a matter of, the society and norms against them. Uh, whereas when I see women complaining about dating culture and masculinity is like this and femininity is like that, I really don't know what the hell they're talking about because a lot of it looks like self-inflicted, right? And I'm not talking about your typical issues of crimes against women, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. And I feel like... I feel like um, the relationship between men and women being antagonistic is almost just like it's almost just it's just it's just the natural way in which Americans talk about everything. Thank you so much for uh, like doing this episode, um, and we took something that is on the face of it frivolous, and I think had a really interesting discussion about it. Yeah, I just yeah. Um, it was like a little like like a pinball in like a pinball machine. It's like we just went all over the place. Um, but thank you so much. I can't imagine having this kind of discussion with anyone else, which is why um, I invited you, Rebecca Solnit. Do you hear about the craze sweeping Chennai to 